portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's your life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the James Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and to overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello. Welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley and Noah. Man, I, I you know I think the 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 weekend was probably too long, Noah. I, 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 I am going to have to disagree with you. I am one of those people that thinks the weekend is always James one day too short. Wow, this was a long weekend, and I, I did you have a nice friend, time? I had an absolutely wonderful time. You know, I hear it was somebody special's uh, birthday this weekend. Well, you know, her birthday was uh, a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, we were stuck uh, in, I wouldn't say, we was in San Diego, and then uh, we was not able to uh, enjoy it uh, properly. And so uh, I decided to uh, do it again, you know, a do-over. And so uh, this woman is so wonderful. And listen, audience, uh, this woman is my wife, Michelle Cool, who's also the best co-host on record. And so I decided to uh, take her out to this great, great place called Bonefish. Yeah, when yeah. Michelle told me that, JC, my eyes got really big. I've been there <laughs> once in my life. It is, oh, the food is exquisite. Love it. The, f- the food was divine. Oh, my gosh. The appetizers we ordered, we were so full before the entree came. It was the food was just amazing. It's the first time I've ever been there, and me and James, we're gonna make a point at least going there a little bit often. We're gonna push season fifty-two back a little bit and just focus <laughs> on the bonefish grill. <laughs> it, it was absolutely fantastic, my friend. How well, was I am, your I'm glad you guys had a good time. I'm doing well. I, you know, big holiday weekend. I was gonna go out to the to uh, Balboa Park in the area, and I thought, hey, everybody will be at the beach holiday weekend. Balboa Park's not going to be that crazy. Well, apparently we were quite the destination spot because there was no parking. I just drove around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> man, I tell you. I just, but it was just, relaxing. It was relaxing, and that, that extra day did help out. Man. And uh, guess what, Noah? Uh, I will be back in San Diego next week. You're going to be here on the 13th, my friend, which, by the way, let's point out, very special 3 p.m. start time for that day. Wow, you know, uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, the James Cooley show in prime prime time uh, on the 13th. So looking forward to that, man. And also uh on the 14th, uh Andrea and I are going to switch around. Uh yeah, so uh, I'm moving up to six o'clock that day. And on the 30th, uh we will be uh back in San Diego again at three. Uh, p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, hey, not uh, to overload the audience, can I give a special plug for my show this weekend? Absolutely. And I, I want to do so because we have a somebody that the audience is going to know quite well, my very special guest on across the county this next Saturday. Go to theanswersandiego.com for showtimes. You've heard him here on It's Your Life. Chief Ralph Godby is going to be on the show, and it's going to be a real treat. Oh, man, that's going to be absolutely fantastic, man. That's going to be fantastic. You know, Noah, we got a fantastic guy on tonight. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, the agenda ever, for tonight is going to be a great one. I'm really looking forward to this. Man, you ever heard of SEAL Team 6? I have, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you ever heard of this this story called Fallen Angel? Yeah, we're promoting it. We've been promoting it across Salem, <laughs> and it's uh, one that I think people should definitely be looking into because there's so much to pay attention to. There's so much to pay attention to. And uh, uh, listening audience, I spent 23 years in the Navy. So, uh, you know, I, it's an absolute pleasure having Don Brown on tonight. And he is the author of Fallen Angel, Call Sign Extortion 17. And uh, I tell you, I I just can't wait to get this thing started, Noah. I just can't wait, man. Let's get it started right now. Let's bring on the guest, have Michelle tell the audience a little bit about who he is and dive deep into it. 
we're going to dive deeper. Listen to the audience. If you get an opportunity, you want to call in and ask this great man as many questions as you can. And that number is one 888 Again, that's one 888 1170 Michelle, can you uh, uh, tell our listening audience about the purpose of today's show? Well, first of all, the title of today's show is Fallen Angel Call Sign Extortion 17. And the guest tonight is Mr. Don Brown. The purpose of the show tonight is to learn about the background career of Don Brown, U.S. Navy slash JAG officer, discuss the documentary Fallen Angel Call Sign Extortion 17, learn how this documentary provides revelations to some explosive truths and unanswered questions, and discuss the Navy Justice series of books Don has authored. Can you introduce this great guy? Yes. Don Brown. Don Brown is a former United States Navy JAG officer and the author of 15 books on the U.S. military. Don Brown is a f- exclude, sorry, excluding, including the nation, the national bestsellers, Last Fighter Pilot, Treason, and Call Sign Extortion 17, the shootdown of SEAL Team 6. Don is also a practicing attorney, perhaps best known for representing Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, the U.S. Army paratrooper sentenced to 20 years imprisonment under the Obama administration, stemming from a firefight on a battlefield in Afghanistan. President Trump pardoned Lieutenant Lawrence on November 15, 2019. The Lawrence case received international news coverage in Europe and the United States, culminating with President Trump's pardon. Don has written a book on the Lawrence case, Travesty of Justice, the Shocking Prosecution of Lieutenant Clint Lawrence. Don has been a featured speaker at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, the Richard Nixon Presidential Library, and has been a frequent guest on the Sean Hannity Show. He has appeared nationally on Fox News, One America News, and the Larry Elder Show, the David Webb Show, On Point with Tommy Loren and various other national and local media outlets. He has also authored numerous op-eds for various national media outlets, including the New York Post, the Washington Times, Fox News, The American Thinker, and The Western Journal. The James Cooley Show is your life proudly presents Mr. Don Brown. Welcome to the show, Mr. Brown. How you doing today? They see I'm doing great. Now I don't know it's Michelle's birthday. We can kind of have a party on top of it. I heard y'all <laughs> talking about the bonefish. Now, if you didn't try the bang bang shrimp last time. Oh! Uh-huh. Don, I can <laughs> confirm this. That's what I've had as well. That's what that, we had also. We were like full. Bang, bang, shrimp. You know, you can send a, a bonefish to Bill for the advertising here, but I'm telling you, that stuff really is really, really good. So, uh, anyway, happy birthday to you, Michelle. And I Thank can see you. that J.C., you know, um, former Senator Sam Mervin from North Carolina, you know, he, he passed away many years ago. He was in a Watergate committee. Y'all are too young probably to remember him. But he had a scene. He said, you know, I never could admire a man unless he outmarried himself. JC, I think Senator Sam would admire you. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate being here with both of you tonight. And you're absolutely, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. You know, because uh, this is an absolute wonderful woman, Don. And, uh, and, you know, we, we, she's going to be asking you some tough questions and so am I. But, and I listen to audience. Don, can you tell our listening audience about your background and where you grew up? Well, as you mentioned, I was an ex-Navy JAG officer. Spent 16 years all together in the service. Grew up in uh, northeastern North Carolina. In fact, in a little town called Plymouth, which is about 100 miles or so south of Norfolk, which is how I got interested in the Navy. Our biggest Navy base at Norfolk, and then number two is closest behind is San Diego. And I love the water. I love boats. Uh, my granddaddy took me fishing. And I was always out on the water. So the naval service is very, very important to me. And um, you know, I spent a number of years in the service. My final station. On active duty, I don't know whether I'm proud to say or ashamed to say it was at the Pentagon. And uh, <laughs> you have to know a whole other story, and it's, I could write a book on that alone. Matter of fact, I think I have. But at any rate, I uh, wound up back in Carolina. I'm in Charlotte now. have very, very dear friends in San Diego. and make it out there as much as I can. I lived in, when I was stationed at 32nd Street Naval Station, I was um, living in La Mesa, you know, out in East County, and I uh, was a member of the First Baptist Church, Lemon Grove, out there, and so I have good friends there, very good friends of the pastor there, Jeffrey Leto. And one of my editors, Jack Miller, lives in La Mesa. He's an Army veteran. So uh, when you're talking about La Jolla and Costa Mesa and, you know, Temecula and, and everything in San Diego County, I'm all about it. So I feel like I'm almost at home with you guys. And I know you spent some time in Dallas, too. That's another place that's very close to my heart. So I want to thank you all for having me here and for the opportunity to bring attention to this very important uh situation involved in the SEAL team. Um, we're trying to give them the, 
the credit that they do that they do we lost 30 americans on that flight which we'll talk about in a moment but uh they've been largely forgotten and so salem media has done a wonderful job and not only in, in uh, helping to distribute salem is the principal distributor right now this movie fallen angel but also in having a number of its wonderful hosts like the, the two of you and and noah as well um spend some time with me and other others who are involved with the film to get their story out so it's very much appreciated Wow, you know, we, we appreciate you being here. But I tell you, we're going to take a station break. But we're going to come back and we're going to really delve into uh, this great story, Fallen Angels, Call Sign, Distortion 17. So I tell you, if you want to be part of this conversation, that's one 1170 We'll see you shortly after the break. It's your life. I'm James Coley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley and uh, wow, you know, I just uh, so excited to be in the presence of a great man that was also a part of the Navy. I mean, he was a, a, a lawyer, a JAG officer in the Navy. And, uh, and, uh, I tell you, I, I'm sure that we might have crossed paths somewhere. I mean, he retired out the Pentagon. I retired out the Pentagon. Well, we're, that's something we're going to talk about later. But if you want to be part of this conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Hey, Don, so you were, a JAG officer. Can you tell our listening yeah. audience what is a JAG officer and what specific areas of practice were you involved in? Well, that's a great question. You know, a JAG officer is an officer who is a lawyer on active duty in the Navy. And, of course, uh, later the, the TV show JAG kind of made uh, the Navy JAG popular. Uh, you know, JAG, that TV show isn't the most realistic thing I've ever seen. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, nobody knew what a JAG officer was before a TV show came along, and at one time it was the hottest show on TV. Now, a more realistic portrayal for anybody who's ever seen the movie A Few Good Men, uh, that that movie was actually based on a court-martial that did take place in Guantanamo Bay. And uh, one of my law school classmates who also, I followed in the JAG Corps, Lieutenant Don McCary at the time, who is now in Virginia Beach uh, as a private attorney, was was the Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise was playing his role in that in that movie. So, uh, you know, when I, as a JAG officer, I served 
uh, first as a Navy prosecutor or a trial counsel. And uh, then um, I, I later was sent to the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Diego, which sort of led, believe it or not, years later to my involvement with this extortion 17 case. Um, you know, we handled cases that were filed against the United States under the Federal Tort Claims Act. And I wound up handling a case uh, involving an F-14 that we lost. Um, of course, we had Miramar as a naval air station at the time. It's since been turned over to the Marine Corps. But we had a, uh, a pilot and a student go up in an F-14 and uh, did a big loop around the you know, East County and came back in. And they were trying to loop out over the ocean, headed west, and um, lost control of the aircraft over Brown Field. And the aircraft, unfortunately, crashed in a helicopter hangar. We lost one of the guys. We were able to save the other one. But I got involved in that case, which led years later my involvement really with this extortion case. And then at the Pentagon, I was doing some work with the Secretary of the Navy, uh, legal opinions and that sort of thing. So, you know, but um, it, it was a great experience for me professionally. I've always wanted to serve my country. I initially wanted to be an aviator and um, almost became an aviator. But uh, at the time, I did not have credible vision. I was at 2030. <clears throat> and so I got uh, did not get picked up initially for Pensacola. When I got through my first year of law school, the recruiter came back and said, "Hey, we can, we can still send you to Pensacola. You got to sit in the back seat." I got, I've been picked up in the JAG program already, and and I stuck with that. So I guess maybe I made the right decision. But uh, man, I, I believe Navy Blue, and uh, so uh, um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to serve. Grateful for you for your service too, JC. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You bet. Don, you've authored about 15 books. One of your books was titled Call Sign Extortion 17, The Shootdown of SEAL Team 6. Can you explain to our listening audience what this book is about and why did you write it? <clears throat> sure. Well, Extortion 17 or Extortion 17, as known as in military parlance, was the code uh, name for a U.S. Army Chinook helicopter. Uh, Michelle, you may have seen these if you've been watching any of the coverage um, Afghanistan the last couple of weeks, unfortunately. The Chinook is the big chopper. It's got a, a rotor on the front and on the back. It's a troop carrier. And uh, and this was in August of 2011. It was 96 days after U.S. Navy SEALs had taken out Osama bin Laden. And the setting was in uh, Logar Province, Afghanistan, the place called Ford Operating Base Shank. Uh, there was a mission that was spun up about 2.22 in the morning with 17 members of SEAL Team 6, along with 13 other Americans, including members of an Army National Guard flight crew, U.S. Um, Air Force pararescue guys, support guys for the SEALs, and eight unidentified Afghans who are on this chopper. The chopper takes off to fly a mission that should have been 10 minutes, wheels up to wheels down. It flies from Logar Province in the neighboring, excuse me, Logar Province in the neighboring Wardock Province, but we lost communication with the chopper, couldn't raise it, it appeared to be lost. Very, very strange things were happening. Um, its sister chopper, Extortion 16, had taken off and had no one in it. And typical protocol was the SEAL team would have been split halfway between Extortion 17 and Extortion 16. But as 17 takes off, it gets lost. We have an AC-130 gunship circling overhead watching all this. The AC-130 is the Hercules that you may have seen. It's a, war, it's a workhorse plane we got with four engines on it. They're watching this chopper move in. Uh, into a very hot zone. They're seeing Taliban moving to the landing zone. They request permission to take the Taliban out. Permission is denied under very restricted rules of engagement. Moments later, the AC-130 breaks off. And then, after losing contact with the chopper, it's now seven minutes late. It's hanging in the air at about 100 feet off the deck, we believe. And, of course, you don't want to be hanging in the air very long in a very kinetic Taliban-infested area because you make yourself a target. Even at night, even at 2.22 in the morning, chopper's so loud, it's making itself a target. 2.39 a.m., 2.38 a.m., we hear a call, a final call from the chopper, one minute, one minute. should have been on the ground one minute. But a minute later, 2.39 a.m., just before 2.40, chopper explodes in the air, falls. There are no survivors, 30 Americans killed, eight Afghans killed, one U.S. Uh, military working dog killed. It was the largest single loss of life in the Afghan war and the largest single loss of life ever in the history of the Navy SEALs, U.S. Navy SEALs. And one of the things that's unfortunate about this case is that I wrote the book, and, and it was published in 2015, and um, the book helped to bring some light to, to it. The, the movie now, Fallen Angel, Extortion 17, Call Sign Extortion 17, which is available now at SalemNow.com. If anybody wants to go there, SalemNow.com, you can go to it. You can see the trailer. You can pick the movie up. What we're hoping to do is a couple things. One, we want to bring honor to these 30 guys. You know, we've lost a lot of guys 
men and women both in this war. Um, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, these 30 men seem to have gotten lost in the dust of it all, lost in the cloud of it all. So we're hoping that the movie will bring honor to them and to their mission and also to call attention to some of the things that went wrong. I mean, so many things went wrong on this mission. Almost was like a setup, to be honest with you. It's one of the worst um, ex- poorly executed missions, no fault of the SEALs. There are just so many unanswered questions. Like, for example, why are you, you know, why is Extortion 16 empty? Why are all the SEALs in Extortion 17? Why do we lose contact with it? And when the chopper went down, there was a big mystery as to what happened to the black box. We sent in a, a team of U.S. Army Pathfinders to look for the black box. They looked for three days. They said they never could find it. We've since learned that an unidentified coalition unit came onto that crash site after the shootdown. And before Pathfinders and Rangers got there, I suspect they removed the, back, the black box. But more questions than answers. So we're hoping this film, and it's been very well received so far, and I hope that all your, your listeners and JC's fans will, Noah's fans too, will take the time to go to SalemNow.com and, and uh, you know, watch this film this week and, and tell your friends about it because these guys deserve their due. And we need to be asking questions of what went wrong, so hopefully this sort of thing doesn't happen again. Hey, Don, uh, first of all, thank you for your service, sir. You bet you, brother. And uh, I'm just going to point blank ask a question I've wanted to find out a little bit more about for quite some time. Why was the black box missing from the crash site? That's, that is one of the most fundamental questions that remains unanswered. And when you see the film, Noah, you'll, you know, we address some issues with regard to the black box. But I can tell you why I think it's missing. That black box, uh, and, and the Pentagon has changed its story on the black box several times. But why is it missing? Well, the black box contained um, a voice de- a cockpit voice recorder, a voice de- a cockpit voice recorder, a flight data recorder, and if something went wrong on, inside that chopper, for example, there are eight unidentified Afghans that boarded the chopper with SEAL Team 6. Our SEALs did not want to fly all these Afghans. Our Rangers did not want to fly these Afghans. Our Special Forces did not want to do that. Why? Because they're not competent. They're not competent compared to the unbelievable prowess of our Special Forces, SEALs and Rangers. And the, the Afghans slowed our guys down. And then in addition to that, in 2011-2012, we were dealing with an issue of what we call green-on-blue violence. In other words, that means our Afghan allies, or should be our allies, are shooting our guys in the back. And Aaron Vaughn, one of the Navy SEALs, who died on this mission, told his father, Billy Vaughn, who's become a good friend of mine, that uh, the guys did not want to fly with these, they call them APUs, Afghan partner units, because, one, they slowed them down, two, they didn't want to fight, and three, they're liable to shoot them in the back. Uh, Aaron said the SEALs were much more concerned about the Taliban, excuse me, the Afghans shooting them in the back, and they were at a Taliban out in front of them. They'd take care of the Taliban with no problem. So if something went on, to answer your question, though, inside that chopper, that cockpit voice recorder would most likely answer the question. That's why I believe that it will be removed and this, and the, uh, so that we can't hear the answer to the question um, because it would have been politically embarrassing had that happened. And, uh, and that's why I believe the, the military has switched its story several times. You know, the black box went down, and the sequence of events is this. The chopper goes down at 2.39 a.m. If you read the official report called the Colt Reports, about a 12-page report. Report will tell you that after 2.39 a.m., the first Americans on the ground were Army Rangers at 4.12 a.m., okay, 4.12, and then Army Pathfinders at 4.14 a.m. So you're looking like an hour and a half gap there. The Pathfinders have testified, and I've, and I've read their testimony, that their sole job is to go find a black box. They said it's the first time they n- never found one. We have since discovered that in the interim between 2.39 a.m. and 4. 12 a.m., which is what the report officially claims is the first time Americans went in, that an unidentified coalition unit entered the crash site, surveyed the aircraft, and left on an unidentified road. And I suspect that that unit, whoever they are, probably came in to take the black box. So it's a, it's a real tragedy, but no, you've asked a good question. That's why the black box is important. And the interesting thing is, I'll say one more thing about a block back, back, the black box. So that J, JC and Michelle may have a question, but this black box you know, when, when when this chopper went down, remember August 6, 2011, well, the Navy brought in family members to Little Creek, Virginia, and those family members um, were being briefed by Brigadier General Jeffrey Colt, U.S. Army, who was an uh, hey, 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 Don, 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 can you, can you hold this thought? We got to take a station break. Can you hold this thought? We're going to talk about the black box a little bit more and let you finish this thought when we get back from the break. So uh, if you want to be part of this, that's one 344 
1170. We will be back shortly and continue this great conversation with Don Brown. It's your life. I'm James Coley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. There is much truth in a journey that ain't over yet, as all of us journey through life's precious gifts of time, just like I have. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. This is a must-listen to for anyone who thinks they are stuck in life or need to understand that their current situation is not their final destination. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet, is the unfiltered truth to provide hope for the future by challenging you to refuse to become a victim of life's circumstance and dare to be an overcomer because a bigger, better, and a more impactful life awaits you. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Noah Dingley here, producer of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And the new audio version of James' book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, is a must-have. James shares his true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, by James Cooley on Amazon.com or wherever audiobooks are sold. FM 96.1 North County AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, Don Brown, I... I, I was mesmerized with that story, Noah, and uh, we're going to get back to him shortly uh, because I want to hear a little bit more about that black box. <laughs> so we're going to get back to that. But, but Noah, I also want our listening audience to know that uh, this week is dedicated to the military. Uh, this is the week of 9-11. And, uh, uh, that Very means- special show that we're going to be doing on the 9th because obviously the 11th falls on the weekend. So the 9th we're going to be... Uh, just really remembering what it's all about. Yeah, we're going to remember what it's all about. And also uh, we're going to talk about and uh, myself and my friends who was stationed at the, I mean, at, at the Pentagon during that day. Uh, we're going to talk about the, that side of it a little bit on how we reacted when it happened. But we also got a, a, a young lady uh, that's going to, and she's an author, uh, that's going to be our, our guest. And she lost her husband. At 9-11, you know, he was a firefighter. So uh, we're going to talk about all of those uh, great things. And it's so important. And we're talking about this topic right now because Don is really explaining a lot of things, uh, especially uh, what he can talk about when it comes to black ops. You know, so uh, it's just amazing. And if you want to be part of this conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Don, we were talking a little bit about the black box and what might have happened. Uh, In the beginning of your answer, you mentioned something that I thought was just very apropos, and people really need to pay attention to this, and that is the government changed their story 
because right. obviously they didn't want you know to look bad. Uh, that is for me so very telling. They changed the story twice. First off, and this is a good kickoff point for the segment, as I was starting to mention right before we broke for the commercial, the investigating officer, Brigadier General Jeffrey Colt, U.S. Army aviator, uh, comes in to meet family members in October of 2011, about 60 days after the shootdown. Now, like J.C. will know, it's almost impossible to get anything declassified in the military before 50 years. Uh, and I, I'll come to that part just in a second. But the general was briefing family members and basically told them, hey, it was fog of war, nothing could have been done, you know, it was a lucky shot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as he, you know, was going through his presentation, one of the family members had the acumen to ask the general, hey, general, what about the black box? What happened to the black box? So somebody had enough smarts to ask that question. Well, here's what the general said. The general said, we never could find the black box because it washed away in a flood. Let me repeat that. General Colt tells family members, Little Creek, Virginia, and all of them say this, the black box washed away in a flood, okay? So now this chopper went down in a place called the Tangi River Valley, and uh, that is in Wardak Province, Afghanistan, highly infested Taliban area. Now, the, the Tangi River, you will see when you go watch this movie, uh, go to Salem, SalemNow.com, you watch Fallen Angels. The Tangi River is not much more than a muddy creek. It might be 20 feet across. And, you know, we pull black boxes out of the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, North Sea, and all kinds of places because these black boxes have a low-frequency emission that pings from them. And, you know, they are, they're crash-proof, they're fire-proof. So it should have been pretty uh, so easy to find. A piece of cake. So it gives this incredible answer, and the military sticks with that answer. They're washed away in a flood for two and a half years, okay? So two and a half years later, there is now, fast forward to Washington, D.C., February of 2014, former Congressman Jason, Jason Chaffetz is holding a hearing that with the House Governmental Affairs Subcommittee called Honoring the Heroes of Extortion 17. And so Chaffetz asks, the Pentagon provides a, a, a Deputy Secretary of Defense named Gary Reed and then four military officers. The four military officers are, are all mortician. They're head of the mortician branches for each of the services. And then you have actually three military officers, two civilians. None of them are in Afghanistan, but the principal spokesman is Deputy Secretary Gary Reed. So Chavis comes out and says, uh, Mr. Reed, what's this thing about a black box? They're telling us it washed away in flood. That makes no sense. Was there ever a black box? And then get this. Gary Reed says, no, sir. No, sir. The chopper never had a black box to begin with. And he goes on to say the chopper was so old, they don't have black boxes. You, you know, and of course... No member of the Congress said, well, well, Mr. Reed, if there was no black box, why do we send a Pathfinder team in there to look for the black box for three days? Why did, they, why did the commander say it's the first time they were able to find it? Let me tell you, almost as soon and, and as that hearing was over, we're getting phone calls from military pilots saying the guy's lying through his teeth. And as a matter of fact, we've, gotten, we've been contacted by two pilots who flew this very aircraft. They are interviewed as part of the docudrama. Um, and, and one of them uh, was had put the chopper on board a ship in Kings Bay, Georgia, the ship to Afghanistan, okay, and had flown it from, from Fort Bragg up to Kings Bay, put it on a ship, ship to Afghanistan. Then the second pilot that we interviewed, and he's in the movie, flew the thing 48 hours ahead of time, both verified not only to have a black box, but it had a cockpit voice recorder that will hold up to eight hours of recording. So for whatever reason, the Pentagon, not only they changed their ridiculous story from a wash wind to a flood to a never had one to begin with, but we had Army pilots coming out saying they were lying. Now, stop and think about the notion of it never had a black box to begin with. I mean, you're talking about the United States military, the most sophisticated military in the world, flying a chopper with SEAL Team 6 with no black box. That didn't even make any sense, but they were lying. So, you know, you get inconsistent stories. And then you get witnesses, pilots, who come in and, and say that the bird had a black box, and of course it did. You know, the other thing I was going to say about this meeting in October 2011, when family members were briefed in Little Creek, Virginia, you had these senior enlisted guys while General Colt is speaking, these uh, senior chiefs and chiefs walking around handing out these uh, envelopes. And inside of envelopes, there was a big round disc. And remember I said a minute ago, the Colt report was about 12 or 14 pages. And by the way, the Colt report was signed off by none other than General James Mad Dog Mattis himself, who was commander of Central Command. This whole cover-up was signed off by Mattis. 
But inside of these envelopes, there were these disks. And on the disks, there were 1,250 pages from that investigation, which had been classified only a month earlier, but had been strangely declassified by somebody. And those disks were passed out to family members. See, somebody wanted the truth out. And that's how I wanted to get involved. I, I've watched a press conference that took place at the National Press Club involving some of these family members and some members of the Congress at the time. Alan West was in the Congress at the time. He's from there in Texas, U. J.C. Alan West and Louis Gomer and some others. Uh, uh, General J- Jerry Borkin is a good friend of mine, was built force commander. We're all there. It was clear something had gone wrong. And um, and I, I reached out to some of the family members. Billy and Karen Vaughn wanted to meet. We met. He gave me a copy of this disc. I began to read it. I can read military ease. It was very clear the cover-up had taken place. But this is one of the big things that show they were just lying and had something to cover up. You you say a black box washed away the flood after you send pathfinders to go find it. You let that story stand for two and a half years. Then you say a chopper doesn't have a black box to begin with. It's carrying Navy SEALs and SEAL Team 6. And then you have Army pilots who are the only credible ones in the whole equation. You know, reach out and say, hey, they're lying. We saw the black box. It was there. So... Um, it just that's just one of many, many inconsistencies that we're dealing with, both in my book, Call Sign and Source 17, and also in the docudrama movie Fallen Angel, which I hope you all check out at SailorNow.com, and um, I hope you all get to see it. Wow. You know, that's that's a very interesting story. I got a, a quick question that you brought up earlier about the uh, AC-130 gunship. Right. Uh, Don, why was the fire control officer of that uh, gunship flying aboard that would deny permission to engage? Uh, did did that ever come? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and as uh, as Michelle mentioned earlier, I was also involved later in the Lawrence case, the case where President Trump pardoned the, the, the Army paratrooper. It had to do, J.C., with rules of engagement at the time. And, you know, there were several rules of engagement in play that were very disturbing. And one one's called a battlefield lawyer rule, which I call it that because you got to identify the Taliban as the enemy before you shoot. In other words, you got to be shot at before you can shoot. That's the battlefield lawyer rule. And then one, then then another one is called the law of disproportional force. You know, if you get shot at, you get shot at with a AK-47. You can't take him out with a bazooka. You can only use an M4. You know, in the old days, we wiped the enemy out. This particular rule of engagement is what. I call the disengage upon retreat rule, okay? Disengage upon retreat. In other words, let's say, J.C., you're on the ground, you're in a firefight with the Taliban. They're trying to shoot you, they're trying to take you out, they're trying to kill you. You get the best of them, they turn and run. The disengage upon retreat rule will say, hey, you can't take them out, you got to let them go. Even they're going to come back and try to kill you tomorrow, you got to let them go. So what happened in this case, remember I mentioned earlier, J.C., there were two, and Noah, there were two choppers, sources 16 and 17. Source 17 was shot down. Source 16 was empty. But about three and a half hours earlier, both of these choppers had flown another mission. They had dropped off U.S. Army Rangers uh, at, a, at a place about four clicks away. Uh, and that, those Army Rangers, half the team was on a Source 17, half on 16. They were split as they should have been. They got involved in a firefight with the Taliban. The Rangers got the best of the Taliban. The Taliban then, some of the members turned tail and started running. And they had cylindrical objects that looked like RPGs. And more Taliban were joining them. And these Taliban were moving on on the ground in the direction of where this helicopter was headed. And so the AC-130 request permission to take them out. They, they saw that they were involved in a firefight with the Rangers, but permission was denied because of the disengage upon retreat rule. At that time, the rules of engagement would not let you shoot the enemy if they turn around. And it could have been the reason these... American SEALs got killed. Wow. You know, this is so interesting. We're going to take a station break. But uh, I am intrigued with all of this great information. And I tell you, listen, audience, if you want to be part of this conversation, that's one 344 Again, that's one 344 It's your life. I'm James Cooler. We'll be back shortly after the break. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. 
The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, uh, I am intrigued. With all of this information that Don is putting out. Now, he is the author of Fallen Angels Distortion 17. And I tell you, he is breaking it down and sharing this remarkable story. I encourage everybody to uh, go to Salem and watch the movie. I mean, I know Michelle and I, we, we have, I, I, I watched bits and pieces of it, but I'm going to watch the whole thing since I'm talking to the author right now. So I can't wait to uh, actually get back on there and watch the whole thing. And if you want to be part of this conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Noah, what you think so far? You and I were talking briefly off the air, and you know, I, I know we're not getting to all the questions that we want to get to, but this is such an important event that these answers uh, are very detailed, and they really need to be told in full. And so I love everything that Don is bringing to the table, and he's really, I think, opening up about what we don't know uh, that, that has been left out of the mainstream media. You know, we're going to have to get done. I know we're not going to get to all of these, but we have to get him back on. I again agree. Because we, we got to know this, this full story inside out. And, uh, it's going to take a couple of hours to get all of this stuff because it's just, it's extraordinary. So, uh, hey, Don, I'm just throwing that out there right now. <laughs> that, Glad to do it. Glad to do it, my man. Oh, yeah. Hey, Don, uh, based on this documentary, what explosive truths have been revealed? Well, there are some things that uh, that uh, we weren't aware of when my book came out. My book came out in 2015, and when it came out, people said conspiracy theory. They always say that. Well, after that happened, we had witnesses actually step forward, okay? And, uh, for example, Captain Johnny Marquez, who was the firing officer on board that aircraft on the AC-130, who makes an appearance in the film, um, she testifies and she corroborates what was in the book that they requested and begged and almost got in an argument with with the fire con- with uh, ground control to allow us to engage in, in in fire and take out the enemy and it was denied. The other thing that she points out is they were actually able to see some of the guys dying on the ground, and uh, we've also had uh, you know there's there's there, you know, we've been able to secure authentic tape of the chopper on the ground and some of the guys lying on the ground. The Pentagon said that there were no identifiable remains. We know that's a lie because we can actually see guys lying on the ground. And you'll see it in the film. And um, we also know there's a question about whether some of the guys were cremated. Um, you know, uh, I did not know when I wrote this book that we had a very sophisticated DNA matching system in Afghanistan at the time because our guys were getting killed by bombs going off the ground called IEDs. So what would happen, J.C., is, you know, You'd, you'd find a 
shrapnel from the IED, and there might be a, a quarter of a fingerprint on there or maybe some blood on there. Well, around 2006 or seven, we started doing a biometrics database matches of just about everybody in Afghanistan. And, um, and so why were these Afghan bodies brought to the United States? Why don't you just, just bury them there? Well, I suspect because if the Afghan bodies are cremated, you cannot replicate DNA evidence. So therefore, if these were terrorists that jumped on the chopper, if you cremate the bodies, you can't get evidence. I've worked with uh, several members of Congress to try to get answers. Congressman Walter Jones, who passed away, Congressman Mac Thornberry, uh, Congressman um, uh, Brian Gates uh, from Florida. The, the House Armed Services Committee in 2017, at our request, put a number of questions to the Pentagon. One question was this, very simple question. Were any Afghans buried in the Arlington Cemetery? So that question was put from the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee at our request to the Pentagon. Every question that was asked, we got circle talk. We got no straight answer to that question. The response was, we, the Pentagon, have read certain press reports that the Afghan bodies were repatriated to Afghanistan. And so, in other words, r- rather than saying, yes, there are Afghans buried there, or no, there are not, for which the Army knows, the Secretary of the Army controls are on the cemetery, they punted the question off. We also found bullets in the bodies of several of the Navy SEALs. We got autopsies. And those bullets were thrown away, J.C., by the military pathologist at Dover Air Base before the investigation was complete, which indicates there could have been a shootout on the chopper. So that we had more questions than answers. And uh, we're hoping that this film will bring some of those questions to light, maybe put some pressure on the Pentagon finally to get us some answers to get it to these family members. And, uh, you know, what we want to do, we don't want this to happen to other young men and women who are involved in the armed service to give a life for the country unnecessarily. Yeah, we don't want that to happen to anybody. I mean, we want them to be able to, you know, serve their country and have it done with a purpose and, you know, have them respected. I know you've seen a lot in your service with the military, Don, and obviously writing this book, being a part of this documentary, has been very emotional, I would imagine. So how is it? being a part of it affected you as a person on some level i have to imagine mentally it's uh, it's really probably changed you as a person and, and maybe what you think about this country and um at the end of the day what we're really fighting for well that's a great question noah um my 16th book will be released lord willing here in december january all of the military i wrote a book a few years ago published by regnery which is owned by Salem, called Last Fighter Pilots, the story of the final combat mission in World War II. I got to met the, the gentleman who flew the mission. We spent, you know, several months together before he passed away in 2017, Captain Jerry Yellen. That was a joy. Most of the books that I've written have been fun to write. This book was hard. I mean, it was really hard because, you know, I got to know some of the family members, and I came to the conclusion that their sons died unnecessarily. What, what has happened here is I haven't, you know, I haven't changed my view of my country or the love for my country, but, but uh, you know, the late Bob Novak had a saying, um, and it was this, and it was, love your country, but distrust the government. And more than ever, I love my country. More than ever, I distrust the government. And uh, when we are talking about, Sean Hannity said, these young men and women have been fighting these wars are our most treasured possession. He's right. And if we're going to send them overseas, to put their lives on the line for us, we got to do everything we can to make sure their lives are protected at all costs. And what happened during the middle of the Afghan war and going back to what happened in Vietnam, we saw rules of engagement come into place that frankly put the lives of the enemy above the lives of Americans. That should never happen. It should never happen again. It's a great answer. That is a great answer. Uh, Don, how has uh, being a writer of, of this and being part of this documentary of affected your life? Well, it's, it, to me, it, uh, it, it is an, it is a thing of awe. And what I mean by that is to be involved in something that is so much larger than life. And this is a mission that I happened to be on. I somehow I got on the train, maybe riding a caboose, but getting the truth out to the American people and, and trying to, um, to effectuate change. You know, my son is, is a paratrooper in the U.S. Army. And, uh, and just spent almost a year in Afghanistan last year. And, and uh, so it's personal to me. So making sure that other young men and women are protected who protect this country 
is uh, something that really burns within my heart, and uh, I think we'll continue to do so. Wow. You know, I know Noah had just asked that that question, and uh, it's so important. Uh, One real quick one. What does honesty, integrity, and ethics mean to you? I know we are close to the end. Can you answer that real quickly? Honesty, integrity, ethics, everything that we stand for is based on all that. And and especially in government, we got to be straight with the American people. You know, um, when, when there are massive lies going on, people can sense it. And you can only cover the truth for so long. You know, the, because, I mean, the, you can only cover a lie for so long, excuse me, because the shining light of truth will always cut through the lie. And if we're not honest with ourselves, with our nation, with our allies, it will affect our country, will affect our leadership, will affect the, um, the, the, uh, the way that people depend on us and whether people can trust us or not. It's all we have at the end of the day. And it's important that we as individuals reflect that and that we demand it of our government as well. Wow. You know, done in 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Just uh, I, I, all of these great things you're doing, just, just tell us one adjective that describes you. An adjective describes me. Um, I, I'm overwhelmed by, by grace, love, and joy. I just feel overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, we are overwhelmed uh, just having you on here. This is absolutely fantastic. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the James Cooley Show. Must have you back, my friend. Must have you back. You know, so uh, I'd like to thank my great uh, co-host, Michelle Cooley, you know, who's always here. I'd like to thank my fantastic, extraordinary producer, Noah Dingley. Most importantly, I'd like to thank our listener audience for taking time nightly to listen to the James Cooley Show. Keep in mind that we're always looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you and bring great guys like Don Brown. And I tell you. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And we want everybody to stay tuned because uh, we got some fantastic shows coming this week. And uh, can't wait to get into 9-11. Or that's a, a, a great discussion that we got coming up. Uh, we're going to talk a little mental health tomorrow, uh, you know, with uh, Jordan Cobar. But uh, I love you guys, and I want you everybody to continue to pray and We'll see you tomorrow. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been the James Cooley Show. It's your life where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.